June was our best month ever. We did over $50,000 in revenue and we did we serviced about 42-ish events. You're listening to the Next Generation Podcast. Weekly interviews with the most interesting and successful 20-somethings out there. I think today is going to be a super interesting podcast. Uh, the reason I say that is because we have had everyone on this show before from people making you know hundreds of thousands of dollars a year cleaning windows to people making you know tens of millions of dollars a year through software and what has consistently been a theme throughout the 28 29 episodes that we've done now at this point is that people love the relatable stuff they love kind of figuring it out hey what's a business that I can go and get started today and you are kind of crushing it doing some of that stuff today. Um, do you want to take maybe 20 to 30 seconds and give people a background as to some of the businesses that you're running today? Yeah, sure. So the main business I run, the main cash flowing business is a company called Peak Photo Booths. Essentially what it is, is it's these higher end photo booth rentals for weddings, sweet 16s, other parties like that. Um, to give you like a little image of what it is, if you're not familiar, basically we have a backdrop and a stand up photo booth and basically someone, sometimes someone works it, sometimes some, there's, it's self-service, but people stand in front of the backdrop, take pictures, they get printouts, or they just get digital pictures, and that's essentially the experience, just to give you an idea. And other than that, um, I have a social media page on Instagram, uh, it's called at Behavior Hack, and have about 180,000 followers on there, I've been doing it for about two years, and I also post on Twitter and Substack as well. I'm excited to dive into a bunch of content stuff too, because it's really interesting. But before we get there, I want to, you know, go around peak photo booths. How did, how did you take that from zero to one? What was the initial idea? And then, you know, to the point where you realized, okay, you know, I'm going to go from the idea, I'm going to test this out. And then there's enough traction there where you can actually scale it out to be a fairly large business. Yeah, definitely. So, cause it's a weird business. It's one you like never hear about really, which is like the best kind of, those are the funnest, the most fun to learn about, I think. Um, pretty simple. I worked for one who, a guy who had his own photo booth style company on Long Island, where it's where I am now and did that for about two summers. And this was while I was playing college soccer. I was a little lost in life. I was trying to go to med school and then basically everything kind of clashed where, um, after three seasons of real surgeries, basically I had to get three surgeries because of soccer. Um, I quit and didn't want to waste any more time, you know, on the bench. Uh, watching other people play basically and so that lined up perfectly with when I had saved up enough money to buy my own photo booth and so long story short I went back up to school in Binghamton New York which is upstate New York versus Long Island New York um, which is where I'm from and that's where I worked for that other company and then when I went back up to school I essentially started my own up there and I know I kind of bounced around there but no that, that makes um, a lot of sense and I want to I want to dive into the injury part later on because I was I was reading a lot of stuff on behavior hack and on your Instagram kind of like talking about like the psychological toll that that had on you and and I, I want to get yeah. into that because I've been in that same boat myself before too, but yeah. when you're actually starting this photo booth business, like you, you said you know you saved up a little bit of money you bought the materials like what are we talking are we talking like a thousand dollars to buy this stuff ten thousand dollars like like if if you're a 22 year old kid today and you want to go and kind of do this over in LA or Washington State or whatever like how much is that going to go and cost you to start up yeah I'll tell you exactly it cost me a little less than five thousand dollars and I was able to build it myself so essentially all all I did it was and you can watch some there's not a lot of great content but there's some how to do this on YouTube I bought a shell and I don't have you with me but um, 
essentially have this shell and inside of it it's empty it's just a case and there's a tablet a camera a flash so you're kind of like rigging it together yourself and that's how i was able to reduce some of the costs um and, and what and, do you typically make at an event so you put five grand in now how soon after that did you actually book your first event how did you get that customer and then how much do you typically make yeah sure so i'll tell you this the first event i ever did for myself i made 150 dollars. it was in a frat room basement at a bar and keep in mind, I, I've never, I was not like a lemonade stand entrepreneur. I was not doing things and making money at all. So you're going, you know, I had no idea what to charge, honestly, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I guess that person was like, can you do lower? And I'm like, sure. But I'll tell you, I was so happy to make $150. Anyway, the first year to two years, the average um, order value for each event was around $600. And now it's closer to $1,200. So, um, that gives you some idea that first few years, you know, we paid it back in a few events. Yeah, that's awesome. And in terms of like volume and stuff like that, right? Cause I think people are listening to this right now and they're like, okay, cool, Zach, you know, you, you put up 4,500, five grand, whatever the, the cost come out to be and you're making 1200 an event. Cool. That's like a four event payback, right? Especially once you, like you go to your website, your website's nice. Like you get the marketing down, you know what you're doing. You have probably a bunch of repeat clients now at this point, I would guess, but like, Talk to us about like actual scale. And if, if you're not comfortable sharing the exact numbers, totally cool. But like, I would love to know, like, are you guys, and, and maybe we can use pre COVID numbers and post COVID numbers if that makes it easier. But like, were you, guys get, were you guys getting to the point where like you were booking like 500 grand or something like that in clients or, or where were you at? Yeah, I'll explain all of it. So let's just do it by year. Um, I started the business end of 2017. So I did like one event that year. So let's just say 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. 2018, I think I did $7,000 in revenue the whole year. So you're talking like, I did like 12 events. And then- Right, and that, 20, so that's like, that's, like side, that's like side hustle money, you know, hey, I'm Zach on the side, you know, once a month I'll go out. And, and, and you I'll, paid I'll back your the machine event. too. Paid back the machine and you know, it was, I treated it, I didn't know what I was doing. And you know, that that's the most, that's one important thing to say, like this wasn't easy at all. This took a really long time. It's been almost four years. Now I've had the business. Um, but yeah, that first year, you know, still made some money. It was like a side hustle, like you said, while I was in school. Then the second year was when it really started to take off. Um, that was 2019. That year we booked, I think, 60 events and the revenue was close to 70,000. And, you know, so you're still talking like, there was it was still not making as much per event, but I was able to get some more volume in. And then and the, at, this point, at this point, had you graduated? Like, is this like your full-time gig? Cause I thought I saw you graduated 2018 yeah. maybe. So I graduated 2019 and yeah, that's an important point. And so basically I was doing this upstate New York where there's not a lot of parties. There's not a big party budget. It's just kind of the middle of nowhere, but I was able to somehow hack it together. And there was one point out there I was doing like six events a week before I graduated, which is like pretty good for like Binghamton. Like it's basically middle of nowhere. And you had the school and you had Syracuse over there in Ithaca, but that was basically it. And then the business really shifted when I came home to Long Island. And basically that whole spring, right before I was about to graduate, I changed all the, so one also important note is the, almost the entire business is um, done on search engine um, advertising, paid advertising. And so basically that spring before I graduated, I'm like, all right, I'm going home. Let's try to continue the business out there. So I shifted all the Google ads. All right, Binghamton, Long Island. And then I was home and um, out of nowhere, it was just like, I was all I was doing. And I mean, yeah, so I, got, I got to imagine that there's a lot more events in Long Island than Binghamton. 
yeah, that was so. Yeah, that was that was basically what happened there. So all right, so 2019, you guys did about seventy thousand dollars in sales total. Like yeah. 2020 comes along. I'm sure you guys are crushing it in the beginning. Was yep. like, did you have like a, a drop off at any point, or what happened? Yeah. There? So yeah, I'll be completely honest. It was a really big drop off, and it wasn't. So two things. Right in the start of 2020, it was looking amazing. We were doing the best we ever did. I actually got a warehouse. Um, I literally got our first warehouse because we were getting so much business, and I had started doing these other things, which other than photo boots, which I'll talk about too. Um, and that was February 2020. And so then a month later was everything with COVID. Yep. And, uh, you know, that was really hard. Like, just not going to lie. You work on something for three years and then you have this pandemic and it's like, holy shit, like I'm not making any money this year from photo booth events in terms of actually at least providing the service. And, uh, yeah, so that year, you know, I don't even know what we made in terms of events that year. It was probably close to like, in terms of actual events service that year, probably close to like 20 or 30,000. And right. to be fair, I spent most of the year um, working on my content, which is what you saw on Behavior Act. Um, and yeah. And then yeah. I guess you go into 2021 and I slowly, you know, as the year started picking up um, and I'll, I'll say something very clear. I could have done more with the photo booth in 2020. I could have focused solely on booking longer events, but it was very tough and it was hard because no one knew what was going on. So there was just not a lot of options. But, the, I, but I'll say I, I was focused on the content, which I think was a good use of my time. Anyway, you get into 2021 and essentially all these calls start coming in. You know, it's around March of this year and everything starts picking up. And then you get to towards later this spring and everything. I think um, on my first million podcast, I believe it was Sean who said this. Um, if you listen to that with Champar and Sampar and Shampuri, they talk about a slingshot business where it's like mm. COVID pulled back the business. So, you know, it lost some revenue up front, but now it's letting go and it's going to fly off and do more than ever. And that's, that's definitely been us this year. And, and so like, can, can you give people who are listening right now, like a rough idea in terms of like how much they can even go and make from a business like this? Cause like, I, you know, I hear this and I'm like, cool, low upfront cost. This is the perfect gig if you want something to go and do on the weekends. If like, you know, you figure out the Google AdWord piece, right? Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'd be really curious to hear like in your top month when like all the wheels were turning, everything was working right. Like yeah. how much were you making a month? And then on top of that, like how much are you actually taking home? Cause I gotta imagine if not you, you're hiring photographers to kind of go and run and manage the events. There's some yeah. ad costs, whatever. Yeah, so, you know, June was our best month ever. We did over $50,000 in revenue and we did, we serviced about 42-ish events. So, like I said, the average order value is around $1,100. And that was the events serviced. Then on top of that, obviously there's the events we're booking. And that's really, that's really what I like to look at is like the booking revenue. Um, now, the thing with this business is it's kind of just reborn, I guess, like the last few months. So everything's kind of new. But to give you an idea of what you asked was like, well, how much do you actually take home? So of that 50,000, I'm paying about around $2,500 a month in ad spend. And I pay employees around $150 to $250 per event. And so you could do that math. It's around 6,300 in employee cost if you do 42 events and then 2,500 in ads. So, you know, taking home around 40 grand of that. Yeah, I was gonna say you got like 80% margins on it. It's a solid business. Yeah, that's why exactly what you said. For a kid, this is a great first hustle, first business. 
because you can take home profit pretty quickly once you pay back your equipment. What's the biggest difference between when you're doing it as a side hustle versus, you know, making 50 grand a year? Is it you yeah, need yeah. a warehouse, you need the employees? What's really, where, where does the friction come in? Yeah, so that's a good point. I, yeah, I want to talk about that because basically how I grew it, right? Because there is a lot of photo booth companies on Long Island, and um, but there were specific things I did that set it apart. What's funny about you said about the warehouse is, you know, when before COVID I got that warehouse, but then this year we've actually just been using storage units and the business is, you know, going to be 10 times as big. And it's just one of those things, like I talked about this recently on Instagram and, um, you know, warehouses look nice, offices look nice, but you spend a lot of time caring about how you look on Instagram and less about how you look on like a spreadsheet. And that's where you can make mistakes. And I definitely needed the warehouse back then. Like it was time to get something. I, I needed something. So like at least a storage unit, but I didn't need to take that picture like that. I was way too caught up in how it would look. And, and it was ended up being, you know, it was, a, it was probably a mistake to do it that way. It's, it's more and, about how the, uh, how the bank account looks rather than how exactly. the Instagram account looks. Yeah. So to give you some specifics about the photo booth, how we grew it was, well, number one is competing in a market where, you know, people really aren't competing. And so what I mean by that is, you know, this is common with a lot of home service businesses. It's common with a lot of event businesses is they're run by older people who, who don't use technology that well. And so just by having a decent Google ad, I was able to get business. And then further than that, just by answering the phone, that's something that a lot of service providers don't even do. And so that's number one. And then number two and three, I'd say, were just some unique positioning that like, it, it, talk, it was just a lot of different things over time. The number one interesting thing I'll say is attaching your business to a trend that's happening in your industry. And so what we did, which skyrocketed the business and brought that average order value from 600 to almost 1200 now, was these special backdrops called flower and hedge walls, right? What's interesting about these, these are just backdrops, right? But they're more than that. And there were, comp there were la this, was, this was almost two years ago. I was on Instagram and I saw all around the country, there were these companies called flower wall companies starting up. And they literally just did flower walls and hedge walls and they were everywhere. And I was like, this is something like this is, I got that feeling, you know? And then I was like, Hey, why can't I do this? Why can't I just figure this out and offer this? And so what I did put a bunch of pictures, stock pictures on my website, started booking them. And then for each event, I would order them before the event. I would make the money for the equipment with the rental cost. And now you have them forever and you're making profit. And I was able to almost double the average order value of the photo booth just by offering these walls as a bundle package because it's saving the client time. And now I'm the only photo booth company that has flower walls. Why would they go oh, with someone smart. else? That's really smart. Yeah. So, um, that is, was it, is that one. just a backdrop, like a backdrop with photos of yeah. flowers on it? Yeah. Yep. No, no, no so, not even photos, right? They're like actual they're like, like fake yeah, they're flowers like, like popping out. Geo Google it right now. Exactly. Like, yeah. It's, what is it? Flower wall? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're actual. Saying, yeah, exactly. They're actual like 3D, like fake flowers, paper flowers. And there are oh, big that, companies cool. just doing this. What was interesting about those though, was that I was able to increase the event orders without increasing our cost very much. It doesn't cost me any more to provide that service. You can still fit That's it amazing. in an, you could still fit it in a worker's car. You don't need a truck. You could still set it up relatively quickly. And so that ended up being one of the best moves. Um, one other move that your audience would, would like, I'm, this is like what I'm most proud of actually is, uh, the TikTok photo booth. And so look, we're still doing this on a small enough scale where it's okay. I think what we're really doing is just renting out the equipment, but 
around two years ago, I saw that TikTok was taking off. And so essentially, I, we have these photo booths already that are iPad photo booths. And so I'm like, hey, why can't I build a TikTok style photo booth where guests can use TikTok on the iPad, we'll throw in a bunch of lights, we'll do this cool inflatable thing and digital only. And, and that has killed it for us um, this year and, and before COVID as well. That's so smart. Yeah. First of all, like a, the fact that like you guys are in kind of like what, what I would think of to be like a pretty like cool, like you're in a service business essentially, but you're not mm-hmm. plumbing. You're not doing like the HVAC stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you're going to like the most fun events around town and you're providing a service, which I think is really cool and interesting. And, and you're doing yeah. it in a creative way, which Thanks. is awesome. And, and, and at 80% margins, like this to me is a slam dunk business. Um, I know we talked in the beginning that you, you brought up some other business ideas that, you know, you'd love to like kind of brainstorm on and stuff like that, but we could do that still towards the later end of the episode. I'd be curious to hear if you have other businesses that are like this type of business with a high margin, you know, I'm assuming for, for the photographers, do you guys have people on staff or is it all contract? No. So how it works actually is we have attendants. That's what they're called. And so basically the way I operate the business is I have a group of attendants. They pick up our equipment, they bring it to the event, they work the event or they just drop it off. Um, usually they work it and then they take the equipment home and bring it back to this, our storage. Oh, and that's so, cool. Are they yeah, like on retainer or are they a different person every time? Uh, no, no retainers. They're just, they're basically like, uh, they're not like, we, we just do everything off the books right now still, but it's all sure. just local kids, local high school kids, yeah, local cool. college kids. And you know, we pay them per the, per the, per the work. That's awesome. And so I have a if, pool of them and yeah, that's basically how we do it. That's awesome. So if, if I'm listening to this right now and I'm thinking to myself like, this is an awesome business. A, I might go out there and just start a photo booth business right off the bat, right? But mm-hmm. the two other businesses that come to mind for me personally, I'd be curious to hear your thought on like a, a service type business that can kind of fall into this glamorous space where like people are willing to pay a premium because it's a fun thing, not necessarily a necessity. The first two that come up for me are the party bus business. Uh, we had a guest on the show in one of our first 10 episodes, I think it was Aaron Spivak. He runs uh, Hush Blankets. They're doing like... $50 million this year in blankets. But when he first was starting off, he ran like the biggest party bus business in Toronto and just made a killing because they'd call people back right away. Uh, they would go and like guarantee to like the schools that like everyone would arrive safely or like they sign, would sign something saying that. Um, and they were able to go and like really market to their kid, to the kids because like they, they knew exactly when the events were, they were plugged into the scene and everything like that. So that one sticks out for me right away. The other one that I think of right away too is uh, I actually used this business. Um, I want to say like two months ago, three months ago. It's called Premier Picnics, um, and basically like you, it's it is the it's most cool Instagram. I oh, sorry. Oh, you seen it? Okay, yeah. I was gonna say I, I did tweet yeah, about it a little it. bit ago, um, and I was about to say it's the most Instagrammable business of all time, but I'm realizing I'm talking to someone who runs a photo booth business. <laughs> um, but this is a close second. Yeah. Essentially, what it is is if you're looking for a date idea, an anniversary idea, or even just like you know something to go and hang out with like your your friends and family and stuff like that. Um, go to Premier Picnics. It costs about two hundred and twenty-five dollars for a luxury picnic setup, and you know they have a couple different locations. I was up in Rhode Island at the time, and so I was able to choose like this uh, second beach in Newport, Rhode Island. And you go there, you show up. It's already a towel, like a blanket laid out, string lights. They've got like a charcuterie board ready for you with like pillows. Like if if you're looking for something to surprise your girlfriend, guaranteed this is like the number one thing you can do. And if I'm I'm on their website right now because I wanted to show the exact specifics but like they have upsell after upsell after upsell like crazy where it's basically 225 dollars you get two hours 
and then you can add on like a 70, $75 charcuterie board. You can add on like a $30 umbrella. You can add on um, like a tent. You can add on uh, $40 of like a game package, right? With like giant Uno and Jenga and like a speaker, right? And so like this business, to your point, you put up $4,000, $5,000 to go and buy all the supplies. This business probably put up like 200 bucks to buy like a mm. nice blanket and you know a couple accessories. And I'm paying them back the very first customer that they get. Yeah. And I gotta imagine that they're getting a ton of referrals because I know for a fact, when I posted the Instagram, everyone's like, what did you do? Like, what is this? Like, like how do I learn more, right? And I just send them all their way, right? Uh, those, are, those are two that come to mind for me. Any other ones that you think that uh, would be pretty cool? Yeah, I love both of those. What I love about the second one, which is kind of interesting to the photo booth, is that think about what someone would buy that for. Like maybe like, all right, this one's maybe a stretch, but like an engagement, right? Or just like a nice, really nice like outing with your girlfriend, right? Or like an anniversary, right? Those moments people don't have budgets for. It's kind of like a right. wedding. They're going to spend whatever they want to make their partner happy. And, and those are the clients that I've now tried to cater to for the photo booth is, um, you know, people who... They're not going to worry about price. They just want to. They want to have the best event ever. This is a memory for them, and I love the. I love both of those. Um, I'd say. You're I'll not, say a few. Go ahead. What? Sorry, I was just saying. You're not. You're not looking at that budget customer, right? No, no one's typing in. You know, cheapest luxury picnic, right? Yeah, you're, we you're, have you're really looking yeah. at the product, and you know it's going to be kind of expensive, but yeah, you already kind of want it, right? Yes, exactly. That's that's a great point. And the ones I'd say, there, there's a few event ones I can say that just because I've seen them. Um, one that's interesting is these coffee bars and coffee trucks, specifically espresso, espresso trucks. Um, you can go out and they'll park in front of your venue and they'll serve everyone espresso and unique drinks. That one's there's one oh, on cool. Island that is killing it. It's called Espresso Guys. Go check. I have out. seen that. I have seen that at a uh, at a wedding I've been to in the past where they'll show up and it'll be like. Um, espresso drinks with like the little rock candy, you know, that you can kind of mix yeah. it in. And so like everyone's oh, cool. walking out to like take their seats for the wedding and they're just like grab a quick espresso and stuff. So that way everyone gets really hyped up for the, uh, for the after part. I've seen, I've yeah. seen a similar one with uh, brick oven pizzas where they'll, they'll tow the oven to the wedding and then they'll just do like on demand brick. Dude, that's pizzas. crazy. I've never and seen that. That was phenomenal. I mean, there, there was just continuously the entire wedding, a line of people yeah. trying to get it's, pizzas. It's really, that, that's a crazy one. I've never seen that one. Um, another one I like is uh, like the, what's good about the picnic one, like you said, is low startup costs. Those are the best businesses. Um, the two I thought of were, they're like not really in that camp. One that's really big right now is just like gaming trucks. That's big at parties. And so these are higher startup costs, but they're, they're good businesses, I think. And also, um, one I, another one I really like is, you know, find a wedding trend, kind of like I did with the photo booths, or sorry, with the flower walls, and build a whole business around that. So they're a bit huge, um, like rustic. Have you ever seen these new weddings now? They have like a lot of barrels and like rustic style string lights. They're a re rustic rental companies. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and so what I'll say though, for anyone who's starting a business, especially if you're doing rentals and even if you're doing something like the picnic one, what you can do is test these things and see if you can get a booking. And then after you get a booking, you can worry about getting the equipment. And that's basically how I've grown my business. And you know, what you have to do is just deliver. But that I think is an amazing skill to have is to trust yourself to um, execute and deliver on those things because it lets you dream bigger, you know, and lets you think bigger. And, and so you're saying you, you might run that ad for, I guess in the beginning you did the research, you know you can buy the flower wall. Now you're just running an ad 
potentially on AdWords yeah. or, or Facebook for, you know, yep. buy, buy a flower wall for your wedding. You know, someone like you might, might go out and buy it. You don't have the flower wall yet, but pretty easy to kind of just go and do that arbitrage in between them. Yeah. And someone told me, yeah, exactly. And, you know, someone told me that once, I forgot who it was, but he was a basic mentor and he told me that, you know, you don't have to have everything. Just like you can either white label the work or you get it on your own. And, you know, what I did with the TikTok booth was the perfect example of that. It didn't even exist. There, there wasn't, there's no one else in the world offering that. And, uh, but like all these businesses, if you can think of something that where there's a low startup cost and people will pay for it, people will want it. You can, you can test the business before you even have to go into debt or anything like yeah. that to get the equipment. I think it's an important that, thing that people forget, especially I didn't realize it starting out. Yeah. No, you want, you want to minimize your downside as much as possible before you can actually prove, Hey, people do want this. You got, you got me thinking though, as you mentioned this, uh, vintage wedding barrel string light kind of business. Um, you know, something that probably isn't like there, there aren't a ton of services for right now, probably gender reveal parties. And Ooh, I personally, I don't know. I find them pretty stupid. Um, I don't know if it's a, a fad or if it's going to keep on happening just like baby showers are or whatever, but I got to imagine that there's probably a handful of things that you can do out there. Even like, I have no idea wh where you would go about filling up a balloon with like blue or pink dust, right? Uh, yeah. So maybe like a local service, like if you're in a city or something like that, that can go and provide you with that and maybe like a certain yeah. cupcake or color or something like that afterwards. I don't know. Um, even an e-com, you're an e-com guy. You could even sell yeah. a gender, re gender reveal kit. I'm sure someone's yeah. doing that and killing it. Yeah, I, it would. Oh, yeah. They, it would be, they must be. It'd be cool yeah. if you're right. You go to the website. Maybe you you select your budget, or there's like eight different options. Like maybe you have the exploding balloon, or you can go <laughs> the really extravagant, um, you know, firework, or you know, diff different options for different budgets, or the direct to you. They don't come and set it all up, but they just you know they'll send you the balloon. That's definitely an interesting one. And it's good and it also has a lot of good vibe. Go ahead. We can say something. No, no, no. no. You, you go. Cause I, I was gonna switch. I was the topic. gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say it. Also has some. That's a cool business too for anyone who's thinking. Cause like, see those. You see those videos every day on Instagram or TikTok popping off of of gender reveal, uh, like crazy stuff that's happening. Mm -hmm. There is definitely an opportunity for somebody in the right area to do a, a boutique like gender reveal studio, and uh, it could be cool. That's a great idea, yeah. Connor. The, the only other one I'm thinking of too now, and, and I'm just literally, all I'm thinking of to think of these are literally moments of someone's life, right? So I'm thinking of like when someone gets born, uh, when somebody goes and gets married, um, you know, and, and as I'm going through this path, I'm thinking of the very last stage of life, somebody dies. Uh, and you quickly realize, for anyone who's not aware that's listening to this right now, like funerals are freaking expensive. Uh, coffins cost thousands of dollars. The burial services cost thousands of dollars. Having to go and like have that lunch or whatever, thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars, whatever. Um, and so I'm curious, one trend that I've seen over the past couple of years is the like rephrasing or repositioning of instead of calling it a funeral and everyone wears black and is all sad, kind of rephrasing it as like a celebration of life um, and making it a little bit more upbeat, more of like a memorable memorabilia kind of thing. And two ideas I kind of come up with right off the bat. Well, actually, probably really only one idea would be, you know how after you graduate high school and you have like all of those shirts that you wore from your athletic programs, like there's mm -hmm. a service out there that will, will like turn them into a quilt or something. I'm wondering yeah. if there's like very specific things that like, I don't know, like a, a very, a very nice piece that can go and like, mem uh, you know, commemorate someone's life or something like that. I wonder if that'd be a cool opportunity as well. I like that one a lot. I, I I could tell you for a fact what you're saying is on point. There's uh, I know these two really like 
uh, these two wedding planners, they do like multi-million dollar events and they're kind of shifting from doing just like weddings and, and sweet 16s to like a celebration of life company, exactly what you said, because you know, mm-hmm. there's so much money to be made and probably not a lot of people fulfilling that well. What does a multi-million dollar sweet 16 look like? <laughs> you don't, you don't oh, want to know. You don't want to know. Like, is it, is it, there's got to be, wait, like, like there's definitely a sweet 16 reality TV show out there. there. Is, yeah, and my, isn't it just my sweet 16? Is it? I don't know. Yeah. I, just, like, um, I know a story where they're like, I know a story where they're like, uh, the, the girls gets to, gets a performer and they're like, all right, what's the performer budget? And they're like, all right, no budget. Having a little Wayne come, coming to your sweet 16. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I want to, well, I want to quickly dive into, I love all the ideas. But for someone that's like, hey, I'm in a college town or, you know, decently populated area, I'm going to go start a photo booth company tomorrow. Do you have like, what are the first four things that they have to go and, you know, do to kind of execute that? Uh, sure. Yeah. If you want to do specific to photo booth, um, I would say get some ads going. There's probably going to be no competition in your area, ca- depending on where your college is. And, Cave- caveat oh, here you're not allowed to do it in long island just just for zach's sake so just throwing <laughs> that out there you, you can i don't i there's so many companies you know there's it wouldn't matter but so feel free but so, uh, so you're saying do the ads before you build the photo booth setup test the demand see how many people click through uh yeah i would try to get some interest try to get get gather something about the area you want it to have enough students what helped what was really helpful for me was there was neighboring cities where there was more action um, so Binghamton was near Syracuse and Ithaca. You might have heard of those. You know, they're relatively big cities. And um, there was a lot of events for us there. So, like, I, w- I would definitely keep that in mind. I think if you have a school where there's Greek life, you can make money off this. If you have a school where there's enough... That was the thing about Binghamton. There was not a lot of Greek life. But, um, so if you have Greek life, that alone, I think, is enough. And what I would do is make a massive spreadsheet of every single frat, every single sorority, and then get a contact at every one of those organizations and just message them, hey, this is what we do, this is our, this is the photo booth, here's a picture, here's a video, here's an offer for your next formal this year. Those are great because um, if you're gonna stay in that area, you'll get recurring revenue off of, uh, not recurring, but you'll get repeat bookings off of fall formal, winter formal, spring formal, and uh, so that's what I'd say. That's that's awesome. I also think that like from your standpoint, right, you're doing the events, so they're pretty big ticket values, and if you can get in with a fraternity or a club or you know, part of the student body, uh, you can consistently just have that contact, right? I know if anyone's ever been in a leadership position in college for a club or organization, it's a constant struggle as people graduate or move out of the role to basically say like, hey, who did we use for formal last year? Or you know, what, what's the party bus contact that we go to? Um, so I love that standpoint. The other thing I was gonna say quickly too, this is probably, I would say maybe it's less of a business and more of like literally making money as a freelancer. But if you're in the college town and you're like, I don't want to go and, you know, I don't want to go and work the events. I want to go to the events and have fun. Uh, another angle that you can probably go and work this through would probably be headshots for internships. Um, I know that's a big thing that people think about, especially like, you know, Gio and I went to Northeastern where you literally just need a good headshot because uh, you do internships, co-ops, whatever, uh, all mm-hmm. throughout college. And so finding like, hey, you know, the first Saturday of every month, here's my calendar link, sign up for a five minute appointment, whatever, it's gonna cost you 20 bucks, but I swear to God, it'll be like the best headshot of your life. Um, you know, assuming it doesn't rain, and uh, and then, you know, make make like a couple thousand dollars that day and just do it once a month, that could be another spin on this. That's a good one. One thing I'll say for any of these services business, what I've found is the positioning is everything. 
and like that's like a fancy marketing word whatever but it, the way you present these products to the client like i'll give you a clear example of the photo booth and this was me coming from you know working for someone in the past and just seeing what other companies were doing you know that's not always the right thing to do just because it's convention so everyone would market these things as open air photo booths and they would list all the features all the details people don't care about that people just want to have fun at their party some of them care about the pictures the reality most of them don't even care about their pictures they just want to have that's the truth actually which you wouldn't realize but the truth is most people just want to have fun at their party and have a good experience and be the type of bride who books this type of booth so a good example is Obviously, I talked about the flower walls and the TikTok booth, but another example is like one of our most popular bookings this year is called the Glam Booth, and it's made famous by the the Kardashians um, and other celebrities use this type of photo booth. It's called the Mirror Mirror. It's black and white, really nice flat backdrop, and I'm not the only one doing this Glam Booth, but like think about that. It's it's really just a filter, a slightly different camera, and a backdrop, very similar cost, but it's a different experience. It's a whole different thing for them. Maybe not technically, but in reality, it's different. And so I think the key, whether you're starting a photo booth or any type of service, is to find a unique angle on it. Like you just said, Connor, you know, headshots, guaranteed, whatever, perfect headshots, guaranteed. Right. You're not just a photographer. You're a headshot. Um, you're doing headshots. And that's one thing I think is important. Right. And I, I love, I, so first of all, big positioning guy. Like I did product marketing for a little bit after college for a whole nine months. Uh, so that's yeah. like a, that's a lot. That's a lot of what we talked about there, and there's some good books out there on it as well. Um, but like right off the bat, you know exactly what you're talking about. If anyone goes to peakphotobooths.com, like your header image is literally 12 people having the time of their life, all like being like you know the classic like, hey, come like come into the shot, come into the shot, we're about to take the photo, whatever. Uh, like yeah. like see, scene with a flash is going off, and they're all smiling. Like that's what you're selling. You're not selling you know. A, a, a nice camera that realistically is probably like 20% better than the latest iPhone uh, and, and a backdrop you're selling the experience of being like you no know, like you know I was out in a bar uh, in New York City this weekend and like me and like four of my friends like crammed in this tiny little like photo booth and paid six dollars uh, just to go and get our photos printed <laughs> or whatever and it's like nobody, a, nobody cares yeah, nobody on. cares about the little strip that comes out of the end right we were all just doing it just because like it was hilarious for the 30 seconds that we were in there Exactly. It's like there's a quote. I forgot who said it, but it's like, know what you're selling and then go sell it because sometimes what you think you're offering is not what you're actually offering. It's, you know, it's what's deeper than that. And it's exactly what you said. Well said. Um, Cool. All right. So I can talk photo booth businesses all day, but uh, I did send you over (laughs) a little structure. And I think I think now is when I want to quickly just pivot a little bit away from just these service based businesses. I think they're really cool. I think people can make a ton of money on them. and if people want to make a ton of money on them, hit up Zach. We'll, we'll get to that part later. Um, but now I kind of want to go and take it over to Behavior Hack because if you had told me two years ago in the year of 2019, hey, it's possible today to start a new Instagram account and quickly make it up to almost <laughs> 200,000 followers in two years, I would have said, no, you're probably better off using TikTok. Like, or, or like those days of like the Instagram virality are gone to some degree. And so uh, I'd love it if you could tell me a little bit what behavior hack, A, what is behavior hack, um, and then B, why did you start it? And we'll get into some of the growth tactics, the tactics in a bit. Yeah, definitely. So exactly what you said, I started around 2019. Um, and I agree with you. Instagram is, is very hard to grow on now. It's It still is. Uh, there are like, uh, you know, unique people who, unique people and unique accounts who can do it. But starting from scratch on Instagram versus a platform like TikTok or even Twitter, I think, is it's very hard. And 
what it is is around two years ago i just felt like the need that i needed to have some type of audience some type of community online where i was publishing my ideas and, and thoughts and i'll be honest with you i'll tell a funny story but what actually triggered it was this was right before i was graduating i was seeing a girl and i hope, talked about this in another podcast too so i just hope she's not like listening to all these probably not but uh she had like ten thousand followers on instagram and she was like the coolest girl at her school right and um i was you know it was cool but like i was just see and i'd see her get these messages and like obviously a lot of them were guys but she'd get like brand deals and she'd get all this stuff and i was like wow this is really cool and i don't know if that pushed me but that was like something where like i was very close to it and then what happened also i saw this account on instagram you probably see on instagram there's a lot of cheesy infographic style pages the same like meme whatever you want to call them over and over and I don't even remember the name. I'll even call them out because I don't even know if it's a thing anymore. Facts to success. At facts to success. I saw this guy at 100,000 followers and these posts just look so basic. And I was like, all right, why can't I do this? Later on, I realized that that's not like real engagement. It was like a bot. It was paid. But at the time, I was like, I'm just going to commit every day to posting it once a day, at least on Instagram. Right. And this was mid 2019. Every day I'm going to do it no matter what. And that's where it all started. And uh, what it's grown into has changed a lot over time, but you know, it started at zero followers, like all pages. And, um, I had no other content back then and now it's close closing in. It's at 180,000 and I'll talk about like the growth spikes and, um, plateaus. What it really is, is just a kind of like a place for me to share my journey and also, uh, content that inspires me and kind of like a manifestation of my own journey and don't the content I consume. It started out very different to that, where I was kind of growing more of a, a brand, where it was more a lot of quotes, and I was selling some t-shirts and some merch, but now it's shifted much more to being just me and, and the content that I want to put out there. What was the biggest lever that you pulled on to actually get that growth? Was it just the unique content and the consistency? Consistency, number one. Like, that was the only reason it happened. Um, and Were you, you weren't doing any two, sort of automated bots or anything on the back end or you know posting well, every day yeah no i'll be honest i did like a follow bot for the first like 500 followers but then just realized like that was pointless so yeah i guess that's what i'll just be honest that's what i did but it didn't take me very far what really uh the levers were that i could create content for people that i admired and they would share it and follow me and appreciate it and this was 2019 and i just figured this out and um Jack Butcher on Twitter, he's has a big audience. He talks about permissionless apprentice, I think that's his term for it. And that was basically what I was doing. I was a good way to look at it is like, all right, I'm going to be your content creator for free. And so I would take these guys who had big followings and they inspired me and I would take one of their quotes and I would do a unique graphic and they would end up sharing that. So that was one of the biggest growth hacks early on. Um, and the, the, but I the did stuff's a, good too. Like, 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 thanks. Sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say like, I, I don't know if we, I might have missed this, but uh, like you are sharing uh, a good amount of like motivational stuff, right? I see a lot of things on like you know Steve Jobs quotes here. You, you have like content that you put out on Twitter from like Naval or like from Jordan Peterson or Nelson Mandela. Like it's motivational stuff that I feel like I read. I'm like it's either a like some kind of like philosophy, b some kind of like business, or c just like motivational, like just go be good at life kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And like the format and the consistency is like definitely on par too. Yeah, I think, you know, the consistency, what's interesting is if you look at the page, um, 
if you scroll down it, it's like crazy the difference in what I used to post. And that's why, um, like it, you can go on social blade, whatever, and look at our growth in the account. And it basically went like, I'm drawing my, my finger right now. It like grew exponentially for the first year or so. And then it started, you'll see in 2020 to kind of slow down that growth a little bit. And that's cause I shifted the content from being, um, more pure, like motivation. David, David Goggins is amazing. I love David Goggins, but like, I'm just saying I, I shifted it from being very like hardcore to more, more thoughtful, more personal stuff, more business, but there's, I think you can do that and I think I'm doing it and it's going to work. And what I like to call it is like slight shifts. And so if you look down the page, the content from two years ago looks completely different. At one point it was like green and like all these images, but if you just do slight shifts, um, in the way you design it, the words you use and everything like that. And I think you can manage to keep growing an audience, even if you want to talk about something new. What I realized, the reason I wanted to share more of myself on Instagram and in general is, um, you know, in the end, your story is the only thing that's going to separate you as a person and as a creator. If you think about the people, when I think about the people who I, let's just say content creators or entrepreneurs in general, um, the ones that I connect with the most, not necessarily the ones I learn from the most, you know, you can learn from Jordan Peterson, like these people, they're very intelligent, but the ones you connect with the most, almost always, if you make a list, they're the ones who you know their story and you understand where they came from and where they want to go. What I like to do, I think I touched on this before, is like find interesting ideas and interesting people, especially the people one. Like that's where I'd say I get um, most of my content recommendations from. And what you can do, and, and if you're on Twitter a lot, you might do this already, but you can look up the person you're interested in and, and filter through their best ideas, basically. Maybe not their best, but their most engaged, at least. Um, looking at Twitter retweets, Twitter likes, all of this Twitter advanced search. What you can also do, though, which I don't think as many people do, is um, you can go on Spotify and just search that person. And then what you'll do is get a list of podcasts they've been on for the last for years. And that's sometimes the best way to get to know what someone thinks about the world is podcasts. You're, you're literally sharing our exact uh, research playbook for, for how we go and prepare for all these podcasts. Like yeah, exactly. I went on and I, I literally did uh, you know, at Z or at Zach, I think it's XT or TX or something like that. Yeah. Um, on, uh, on Twitter, it was like minimum favorites, 25, right? Like how yeah. many, how many tweets have you had that have had, you know, that, that have all one went viral. Yeah. I looked you up on Spotify. couldn't find any podcasts you've been on in the past. Um, been on two. Probably, been on two. Ha, have you been on two? I just might have said, might've said behavior act maybe, but uh, probably. Okay. Yeah. But, but I like, um, I like that research method. That's cool. Yeah. What's, what also, what's more important than like the research, I think, cause I think, uh, there's a quote by like Richard Feynman, which I love I'm going to misquote it, but he's like, find what you love and like study it with the most reckless effort, something like that. Just like study relentlessly what you're interested in. And I feel like I've gotten better at that over time. And like, I'll just, I'll share this. Maybe it's interesting to somebody because, um, the way I kind of consume content is, well, one, I, I like to use Rome. Do you guys use Rome? You've heard of it though, no, right? No. What is it? I have, I have heard of it. It's like from, from what I've heard, it is one of the most complex note-taking apps of all time, but like only at first. Like my understanding is that it's apparently note-taking the way that your brain thinks is how they try to market it. Yeah, you know why I like it is that is kind of how it feels. And at first I felt the same thing where like I, I felt like I didn't need it. I felt and I look, I don't need it. You can use a, a journal, you can use a document, Google Doc, you're fine with that. But if you're someone like me where like you're really interested in content, you like to learn a lot, um, it's helpful because it, what it does is it lets you kind of record your ideas and then link them together through like common threads. So what I talked about with world building, right? I have this thread essentially where I have every article or idea I've listened to that involves that. 
then it makes it really easy to go back and in it. So before this podcast, I knew I wanted to like touch on that. So I just pulled it up and I had all those ideas. So what um, was that called again? And how do you, how do you spell it? Is it an it's iPhone called, app? No, it's, so it's, it's mostly, they do have, I think, I, I think you can use it on your phone. It's mostly for desktop. It's called Rome research. Um, and it is, it does seem complicated, but it, it, see, I recommend it. If you're someone who does a lot of research and likes to read a lot of different things, I think it could be worth it. Um, for me, it's been helpful because before that I kind of struggled with like, uh, using the information I was learning, but I feel like because it's all connected more with Rome, um, and what it is essentially you connect ideas based on these tags. So if I'm learning about something about copywriting, I can tag it copywriting. Um, that's essentially how it works. And it will link all those ideas together. That's and super interesting. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah. I feel like right now I just have a running list on my notes and I just make a new note every time. But now I have, I think 7,000 notes in my phone. I yeah. there's no way what, to go through them. What's interesting. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's insane with Apple notes, but what's interesting also is I think that because like the way I consume content, I like podcasts. I like to take a lot of quick notes while I'm like walking or running, or I'm sure you guys, you have ideas all, all day and you just write them down in your Apple notes, but I find I lose those a lot. And so I still record all my notes in Apple notes. And then it sounds like a lot of work. I really don't think it is, but at the end of the day, I'll usually go and transfer those Apple notes to Rome because that way it just mm. stores them cleaner. But I yeah. think, I don't know who said this, but there's a, whatever note taking system you use, you should reduce the friction to recording your ideas as much as possible. And for me, that's Apple notes. It's so easy just to open up and write. Yeah, I agree with that. I have uh, people who are listening to this right now probably aren't gonna be able to see because I'm gonna show it on photo or whatever, but I don't have like any apps on my actual phone unless I like swipe over and then you have like the entire app library. But what I do have at the bottom there, and actually I don't even think you guys can see this now based on my lighting, but uh, Workflowy, if you've ever heard of them, super like all i know is that the app opens really quick which is important like i i can't do notion because that app takes like 10 seconds to open um and yeah, slow. similar yeah similar to rome like you can you can do hashtags and stuff and search that way or i'll just go and create like a general thing like quick notes um or like travel notes goals learnings things like that and i can kind of like filter around that way but i do think to your point having a quick element and then some kind of structure makes it is probably like the two biggest criteria mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. that's cool man and um um yeah go ahead go ahead you, you go ahead uh ba basically i mean like I, f I feel like that that makes a ton of sense i, I kind of wanted to start like slowly uh going down i i have two things that i definitely want to go and touch on still um for the end of this interview but the the first one is like you seem like a very driven person and like i think that's kind of just in the nature of a lot of the guests that we bring on like people who are typically running their own businesses, starting content businesses, like growing things in their 20s, typically are mm -hmm. a little bit more on the driven side. I would love yeah. to know if you have like any big goals that you wanna go and hit over the next couple of years that you wanna kinda like share publicly and like, I know obviously like accountability is a big thing, like I'd be curious to like get into your brain and, <laughs> and see like what's important for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, short, so one, one important thing, this is like a, a tough topic for me, but I'll talk about it. Um, and something I struggle with a lot is uh, you know, this photo booth business, right? It's a good business. It's profitable, but I'll be for the first to say, I really don't enjoy anything about photo booths. Like I, I, I like that people enjoy the product that like people enjoy the service. What I love is like the game of business. I love, I love growing a business and owning something. And obviously the freedom that comes along with that. And so what I've struggled with over the last uh, two years is how long am I going to spend my days working on this? How long am I going to, and I read something recently that really made me think about it was, um, Sam Altman, I think said this, where he said how we overestimate how long we have to like be in like startup mode grinding. 
um, working our asses off and, you know, staying up late nights. And, and not that I do that nonstop, but I, I work a lot often and read a lot. And I think he's right. And I'm not saying I'm not going to work hard my whole life. I want to. But you just don't know where life's going. You don't know what's going to get thrown at. You don't know what your relationship will be like. And even though I can make good money doing this, a lot of money, I just know that I should optimize to work on something that I'm obsessed with. And like Paul Graham has a good quote. I really like both reading a lot from both of them, Paul Graham and Sam Altman um, from Y Combinator. He says, uh, I wouldn't want to work on anything that I, I don't want to take over my life. And like, I, I love that. And so short term, my goal is to separate myself completely from the photo booth while and hire the right people um, so that it can grow without me and hopefully be acquired in a, in a few years, um, whether by it's an individual company or private equity or something else. Um, I still want to grow the business. I still want to do the right things. And right now, with, it's at a point where the service I've figured out, I have good people working and I know how to hire people, but um, I'll still have to over the rest of this year, hire people to help me run um, the back end and grow the business. And then... Um, Short term, uh, you know, with the social media stuff, my goal is really like I would really love to help people who were like me early in college who didn't really know how, what was going on in the world or what they should be doing and didn't. So like you talk about this content, right, that I, I like learning and reading about. And I know you guys both you read a lot, too, and you, you learn a lot as well. But like I don't know about you guys, but I was not like that early in school. And I think most people or didn't know some people were always like that, but I wasn't. And I didn't realize it until I was really till I was learning from my business where the results were tangible and I could see them in the product product progress of the business. And then it just led to me wanting to learn about all these other things. But I would really like short term to have to channel this uh, social media presence to some type of cohort based uh, university type of program where I could help people who were like me. And whether that's starting a small business or creating content. Um, I would really like to help more people figure out that that's an option for them because this college is not, not college is not doing that job. Do you think college is worth it in terms of what, what you learned from it? Or is it kind of depends on who you are as a learner? Um, you know, I think again, as, as Connor frequently mentions, a lot of our guests drop out and it gets, it's like a weird, weird percentage have, uh, don't finish it. Um, but coming from your perspective, right, if you're saying you weren't doing a lot of this reading and a lot of this content consumption on your own before, did college help you make that mindset s switch? Or did that really only come after you're running the business, you enjoyed doing that, and you realized to become more successful, you had to, con you know, read and, and look at different content? Yeah, definitely the latter. It only started when I was really um, launching my own business. And what you said is that's basically, if I had to talk short term, it's building something to help people um, you know, start businesses, create content long-term. It's to build something that I think there's three like big problems. Um, I think, uh, Tyler Cohen, he's, um, he writes a lot of great stuff. He talked about the three industries where prices are skyrocketing and it's education, healthcare, and housing. And they're very hard industries to build in. And the education to me is like the one problem. I mean, this is right now, but long-term I'd really like to make an impact is help people do not fix the education system because I don't think it can be fixed, but build something new to help people. Um, so yeah, I'm not a fan of, in, in the biggest scope for most people, I'm, I'm not a fan of college in general. Um, and I think it has something to do with, I, I wasn't a dropout. I did five years of undergrad. I got a degree in, um, we didn't really talk about this, but my degree is 
it's I'm doing fingers here, but it's it's uh, my, what is this called? Bunny what, quote unquote air, uh, air quotes or... air quotes. Yeah, <laughs> I called it bunny ears. <laughs> my uh, my degree is in integrative neuroscience, and I did all my pre med requirements, but um, I do quote unquote because the amount I actually learned about neuroscience is you know you could probably put it on a napkin, and uh, that's amazing. Yeah. You probably didn't use yeah. all that info either on running the uh, photo booths, I'm assuming. Yeah, and you know, I'm just, <laughs> surprisingly, you know, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I like I enjoyed that like neuroscience those classes like specifically, but um, and I could go on forever about college, so I won't because we, we don't have that much time. But I just no, think it's it's, it's a really it's a really broken system, and a lot of people get trapped in it. And I get I what makes me passionate about it is not only that I spent five years of my life doing something that I probably shouldn't have been doing. But also, um, like, I think about how much I like am reading now and learning now, and and not that that's impressive at all, but it's like, it it's what I think, you know, what you read and learn is like uh, shaping your thoughts. And it's yeah. scary to me that like I almost wasn't like this. Like, if if I had gone down a different path in college, or if I had um, if I had done something different, then maybe I never would have. And I just think it would be helpful to help more people discover that if they have it. Yeah, I totally agree. I also think that there's a huge difference between. Uh, the formal education versus self-education, right? Like the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, is that most people graduate college and at this point in their life, it's been 15 years of only learning new things from other people. And you quickly start to realize like, hey, you're now 22 years old with the exception of maybe a really good manager. Nobody's really going to go and hold your hand and teach you things. Uh, and, and again, I don't even know if I would call that a really good manager. It's just like someone who wants to like overstep on things, right? But like the, the fact of the matter is, is that you look at the people who are the top of their game, they're not taught by other people. They're the ones who are teaching other people because they've mm-hmm. learned it for themselves. And so I think you have to kind of make that inflection point at some point in your life. Um, and, and to your point, yeah, I agree. We had, we had a whole episode on if college is worth it or not. And I think from an education standpoint, I would say almost certainly not. Um, yeah, and it's gonna take time. It's gonna be, I talk about how um, I have a friend and this kind of relates to the social media stuff where you know, some people see this and some people don't, but like I had a tweet the other day, it's like, and this isn't really my idea, but it's just a general one. Like content is a new credential. I have a friend who just got hired for a new job and no resume, he just had a social media presence. And there wasn't even a job description really. It's just someone great hired him and they hired him because of his social media presence. And I think what's happening is, uh, you know, you're shifting from your shit. What there's a lot of things, like I said, we can go on forever. But the value of the degree is weakening, and yep. and the people who make it are going to be people who take things into their own hands and actually produce something out to the market, whether that's on social media, or whether that's a business. Totally agreed. Um, so quickly, I want to I want to just start wrapping up here because I think we're about to be a little bit over time, or maybe a little bit right now. But um, literally five minutes before coming on this podcast, you tweeted out a video of Jeff Bezos, an interview from two thousand, the year two thousand. And it was essentially saying, you know, the reporter's like, hey, you know, 20 years from now, you leave Amazon, or, or I don't even know if it's 20 years from now you leave Amazon, uh, but it was like, you, you step down from the CEO of Amazon today, uh, what do you want to do with your time, right? Um, and he says, oh, I think it would be really fascinating to be in space. And, and we're recording this literally on the day that Blue Origin went to space with Jeff Bezos in it with the you know, cowboy hat and cowboy boots 21 years exactly after the interview. So kind of mind-blowing with all that like that worked out the way it did 
Um, mm-hmm. But I want to kind of like rephrase this question because I know you came into this call that saying you have one or two business ideas that you think the listeners of the show might really dig. Uh, so if you were to go in and you'd say, hey, screw it with a photo booth business. I don't want to go and do behavior hack anymore. And I'm starting over from scratch today. I got five to 10 grand in the bank account or maybe a little bit more. Uh, you know, what are you going to go and, and set out to do to try to really hustle and make some money? So you're asking me, you cut out for a second, so I just want to make sure. Um, you're asking me if I was, if I didn't have a lot of money, so like I couldn't do something like space. I had to just like, I was starting something new. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Most most of our audience, they're not dreaming. Of, they're not trying to go and start a rocket company or you know a multi billion dollar marketplace. Like for a lot of the people listening to this right now, a hundred thousand dollars a year on the side is the dream. Yeah. So I'll tell you exactly what I do, and it's what I did, but with a different direction. I would start a service-based business and I would build content on the side. Hopefully it could be synergistic, um, but I don't think it has to be. I mean, mine hasn't been synergistic. And what I mean by that is let's say you have a podcast and for a service, you provide podcast services, you produce podcasts, you help people, you provide that, you know, you do content, you, you help people set up podcasts. That's like synergistic. What I did, photo booth and self-development social media wasn't. So an example, my a really good opportunity is anything home service. I have my best friend who he's done a bunch of business projects. He has a bunch of different things. Just started doing um, um, spa service. And so this is essentially hot tub services for people who have hot tubs in their homes. And the way he figured this out was he he has a job, like a full-time job where he works. Part of his job is fixing hot tubs. And he's like, hey, why don't I do what Zach did? I set up a Google ad and I'll go get some business. Kid is crushing it, crushing it. And and he's... um. And he's getting so much business for hot tubs cleanings. He's doing recurring revenue on cleanings. So every month people will pay him for cleanings. He's doing, and he's, he's doing, and this is what I told him, because I'm helping him a little bit. It, it's all on him. He's doing an awesome job. But you don't have to know how to do everything. Just trust yourself to work hard enough to learn how to do it and see if you can get people to pay you for your service. And he's been doing that and he's been doing a great job. And That's then awesome, on the uh, content, I go ahead. I, was, I have I a content say, idea on- too, but. On that service-based business idea though, there are so many of those. And I think with the hot tub and the pool one and all that kind of stuff in that category, what's great about that is that you can also always just go and sell like the cleaning supplies and all that kind of stuff to the homeowner if you want to start private labeling that down the road. You go and create a bunch of routes and stuff like that as you're going and cleaning them. And you say like, hey, you know what? Like, you know, we can use our own private label stuff. If you if you ever don't want to hire me again, uh, it's actually not that hard, you know, buy my products. Yeah, that's a a great way to upsell it too and uh do it that way too yeah i like that the, an idea the, i have for um, I, do? I have two so well i have more than that but I'll, let's talk about instagram first you have to look at essentially what, what happens on instagram and this happens on every platform but you have these types of content types of creators that start taking off and they're all basically the same but there's usually one who's the leader so i'm going to use examples from every platform quickly i know i know we're going over but i actually think this is pretty good so when I started Behavior Act, it was like these infographic style pages I saw popping up. And if you scroll down, that was the first content I posted. And it gives the person an idea like, oh, I like this type of page. I'm going to follow it. So one that is killing on Instagram right now is holistic um, psychologist. So there's one called the holistic psychologist. Um, she's amazing. Dr. Nicole LaPera, great content. Um, but anything with holistic wellness, but m- less of that, actually, that was just the first thing that hopped on. More spirituality, horoscopes. And there's this one page, you can go search it. It's called at beaming design. And all she does is, and she's so talented. She posts these designs where it'll say like gratitude in the middle. And then it will say like grateful for today, 
grateful for tomorrow. Nothing complicated. She's a great designer and she's leading this. And now there's at least 30 I've seen on my page where it's basically the same thing. And a lot of these people have decent audiences, 100,000 followers. Yeah, she's not the, they're not the leader of it, but they have a great audience. You know what I mean? And so that's one example for Instagram, anything. And so what I would do, start a page around horoscopes, create beautiful designs, hire a designer if you need to, do one every single day, put a link in your bio for a quiz and get people to sign up for your list. And you could sell personalized. Um, I was in the bookstore the other day. They, ha they had all these books, Leo, Scorpio, um, Sagittarius. You could sell books. So it's, that's it, one that's, idea. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I absolutely love it. And it doesn't even have to just be horoscopes. I think anything that is like, there is so much content for out for there. Sorry, there's so much content out there for it, and people want to go and have a daily practice with it, right? So, like another example that comes to mind right now is like my mom, super religious, right? She'll go and read like a Bible verse a day, and so I think like even doing it for something as simple as like Christianity or something like that, uh, and might might be like a great one. And I know, for example, like if you want to talk quiz and lead gen and all that kind of stuff, right? Like maybe this might be a little clickbaity, but it's like, hey, run the Facebook quiz of. Uh, you know, how good of a Christian are you or something like that. Uh, if you can answer like these like seven out of 10 questions correctly and like it's all perfect, based on yeah. like facts and like stories from the Bible. And like that is something like I can guarantee you would get a click every single time from her. It's it's crazy. Beaming Design yeah. has uh, 577,000 followers. For and recently, recently. And there's, there's two other ideas that I, I'll give them quickly for Twitter and for TikTok. Twitter, one that's big, you guys are on Twitter, you probably see it, is these um, business stories. It's entrepreneur oh, yeah. stories. They'll tell the story Good of how time. Bezos did this. That's on, and you see that everywhere. And so if you can find a unique angle of doing that, I think it could be big. And then one on TikTok I really like. Um, there's this new trend of these, uh, like if you're gonna start a daily vlog, go do it on TikTok. There are all these guys who are starting these daily vlogs. They just film 15 seconds. They film them waking up. They film them going to the gym. You could film yourself doing 75 hard, which is a challenge by Andy Priscilla. And that's what a lot of them do. And you can build an awesome audience that way. And you have the consistency built in where I'm gonna do a vlog every single day. And yeah, those are just some ideas. Awesome, I love the ideas. If people wanna keep following you, see what you're up to, where can they find you? How do they get in touch? Yeah, on Twitter, I'm Zach, at Zach, X-T, Z-A-C-H-X-T. Uh, on Instagram, it's at Behavior Hack. It's, it's B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R, Hack. And um, I have a newsletter too, which I haven't posted on in a bit, but I'm going to be starting it up soon later this summer. It's uh, behaviorhack.substack.com. And that's really it. Yeah, I highly recommend checking out your uh, your Substack. I was, I was super impressed just scrolling through it. Um, Thanks, man. It's really, really interesting content. But we you know, really appreciate you hopping on the podcast. I think it's been a great episode. And, you know, thanks for coming on. Of course. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Seriously. Cool.